share with you just a real short word. And, and I say that, and, and, and it, it really is. But the Lord put it, give me this word back. I don't know whether it was Wednesday or Thursday. I, I'm not sure, Tuesday. And it, it, just, it just really touched my heart. It, it, it's, I've not been able to think about anything else. I've not been able to get it off my mind. I've just, had, I've just dwelled on it, and it's gotten so rich. God's word speaks, don't it? But it's gotten so rich that I couldn't help but, but, it, but to, share, to share it with you. And, and believe God that he gets what he wants done out of it this morning. So if you want, you can stand, and I'm just going to read it. It's just about six verses. It comes out of John 19. John 19. And it starts with verse, and it's, it's the scene, and, and we're already in progress. As a lot of times I do, I jump right in the middle just to keep from reading so much uh, that, that sometimes I, I, I'm afraid sometimes I, I overdo you. But this morning I'm just going to get to the heart of it. This is already in progress. Of course, the scriptures kind of identify where it's at. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus. We know what's going on. His mother. Standing by the cross. Jesus' mother. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas. And Mary Magdalene. You know what? There was a lot of Marys back then, wasn't there? I mean, everybody was Mary. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, when Jesus therefore saw his mother, he saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he saith, He to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciples took her unto his own home. And after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. He's coming to the end of his long passion week, his long passion season, coming to the end of, a end of a long night and day. He says that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus says this. He says, he says, I thirst. I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar. And they put it upon a hyssop, or like a sponge, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, Jesus received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. My Lord. I'm going to definitely have to ask you to pray over this word. God, receive our thanks, receive our thankfulness for being in a holiness church this morning. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, give unction, utterance, and the engrafted word into our hearts this morning to be so that we can prosper and do what you've called us to do because it's not by power nor by might, but it's by your spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege this morning. Give pastor a special touch in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord the glory this morning. Lift up your voice. Thank him, honor him, praise him. Worthy of all. And all the glory is his. All the glory is his. You, you, can, be, you can be seated this morning. Uh, I want to I share. How many have found this to be true with me? And, and this is just kind of a this is kind of a summary of, of of a life, if you will, or the entirety of the life of a Christian. Uh, you, maybe you found this to be, to be true. I, I surely have it, 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 it. Faith, faith is, and faith alone is what makes us a Christian. You realize that, don't you? It's just faith. We we come with nothing, and one day we believe. I mean, that's just it. That's where that's what everything turns on. It turns on you believing one day and, and, and by faith saying, you know what? You are the Son of God. You are the Savior. You are the resurrected one. You are eternal. You are worthy of, of everything that I need to believe. And so, so, so really, you can just say it like that. And, and, of course, Scripture backs that up. We've not got time to go all of it. Faith makes us a Christian. It makes us Christian alone. But now, here's, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Life, life will prove whether we are or not. Life does that. Life's got a way. We can say a lot, and people do say a lot. And we don't, we don't challenge. I've never challenged anybody to say, you know what, I believe in God. I've never challenged, because I don't have to. For life. Life will challenge that. Life will, I don't have to prove. I don't even try to prove. I do look for fruit sometimes, especially when, when it's in order, or I need to. But I don't, I don't never try. If you tell me you believe God, when somebody tells me I believe this is God's will, unless I can tell it's straight from Satan, and sometimes I can tell. Come on, somebody. Every time, every time somebody says, I think this is the will of God, it ain't always the will of God. Amen. But, but I don't challenge it. You know why? Because life, life will end up proving. It will. It'll prove whether or not we are. And kind of on the... On the backside of that, or kind of to add to that, it's trials, it's pain, it's suffering, it's troubles that confirm that we're Christians. They really do. The pain. When you see someone go through the pain, you see someone go through the trial, you see someone, like our story, the cross plainly in their life. You don't have to ask, do you believe? The pain confirms it. And the fact that they're still yoked to the cross that God gives them. They're still, they're still with the power to come off, still clinging to the cross. And in the end, this, and this is, this is unnecessary, but this kind of ends it up. But in the end, death then crowns the Christian. Yeah. And that kind of that's kind of simple, but that kind of just summarizes the Christian life or walk or journey. It's by faith. Confirmed or proved by life. Confirmed then by trials, troubles, pain, trouble. And then death crowns us. And that's kind of that's kind of the way I see this story. We jump into this story back in verse back in the very first verse, verse twenty five. You can go back, Eric, but we jump into this story, and there's, if you can see it, there's pre existing pain. 
because there's already, there's pre-existing pain. We're, we're, we're many hours beyond now the cross, on the cross, we're, 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 we've been through a trials, so we've been through struggles in this season that, that this picture is. There's been a night, there's been a night of whippings, a night of torture, and it's not just the moment, it's not just the night. So I'm, I'm explaining sometimes our life, our life, this is a season sometimes. It's not that it, it's just in a night, in a day, but no, no, this is explaining a season. Some of you here, listen to me now, some of you here, you, you, you kind of like this story. We just jumped into this story and we find pre-existing pain. We find pre-existing suffering, pre-already trials and already. You come, some of you come this morning, you've got pre-existing pain. It just, you just didn't get it today, but you, you come here with it. The suffering and the trial, the trouble. When you showed it was pre-existing, it, it was already here. Christ is coming to the end of his passion in this season of great heaviness. And, and we've seen him sweat it out in the garden and, and wonder, can, can I escape this? Can, can this cup be passed from me? Can I get out from under this great struggle? And, and of course, at the end of that, he, he realizes, but, but nevertheless, I wish I could. I, I would be better. I would like it. But, but remember, remember what's going to really prove him to be the Christ, not the power to come off, but the power to stay on. Hey! That's going to prove it. The power to stay on. And that's, some of you have come here today, you, I can see your life in this picture. Some of you are sitting in this pews today, probably many, pre-existing pain. Maybe from not just a night ago, maybe not just from a few weeks ago, but maybe from a lifetime. Or from a season of tragedy season of hardship, but nevertheless, you've showed up and it's pre-existing. There's this pre-existing pain. And here's, here's the cool thing about this story. This is, this gets us so directive, it's so much instruction here. Verse 26, verse 26, we see him already, but verse 26 and verse 27, we, we see just what we have to do. Jesus is still doing just what we have to do. Even though, you know, just because you got pain don't mean you get a day off. Just because you you got troubles don't mean don't mean you can just check out. Jesus, no, Jesus on the cross, moments away, last breaths, last words. Still, still, what's he still doing? Tending to life. Tending to life. Dealing with life. Compassionate. Caring. Loving. Concerned, looking upon the people that he loves the most, tending to the people that he loves the most, life, helping care. There, you know what that defines to me. That defines true love. When someone is as hurting as bad as you are, but you take time to still try to tend to them. My God, that right there, that right there just defines love. I know you're going through the same thing I am, but let me just tell you what. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. 
I'm going to pour out my, what few breaths I got left. What, and you understand, some of you understand, some of you understand where Jesus is at because of your season, your pre-existing position. You understand that, that you don't even, I've, I know this to be the truth. You don't got the energy to even say another word. You ain't even got the thoughts to, matter of fact, you just, you just want to shut it down. Uh, in our world today, this is the way we'd say it. We would just say, well, I'm through with this. I'm just done with this. But no, no, no. We still can because we love. Jesus, 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 a few breaths, I'm sure he didn't have much energy left, but yet, but yet, a part of his, a part of his last conversation is hold, hold yours. Mother, hold yours. Loving, tender, compassionate, caring. And all that. All of that leads to something. When you've already got pre-existing pain and you're pouring out what's left in you, there's not much left, but whatever's left, you can have it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can use it. I'm not sure it's even. Matter of fact, I've even been there sometimes. I wonder, I'm not even sure this is valuable or not, but whatever i got left here. worth much. I'm not sure it's really going to help you, but here. And that leaves, that leaves, we, we get a quick glimpse, because up to this point, Jesus is looking like he's not looking human. People, people that act like this don't look human. When I see folk in my congregation who act like this, I go, my God, they ain't even human. When I see folk with very little left to offer, but yet because they love, they offer it anyway, I go, So Jesus is looking superhuman. Matter of fact, our mind will mess with us sometimes, and we'll say, "Well, that's the Son of God." Yeah, but that's the Son of Man too. Yes, for sure, He was the Son of God. Yes, for sure, He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. Yes, and yes, and yes, He was the Son of God in entirety. But He was draped in the same infirmities, in the same emotions, the same flesh, the same weariness. Oh, this whole plan of salvation wouldn't have worked. It had to be a the man, a man of flesh, defeating Adam's transgressions and and passing beyond where Adam failed to bring many. Many to salvation. But here's where uh, in verse 28 that we get a glimpse of, of humanity. Verse 28, Jesus says, and after this, Jesus went all things come. This is what Jesus, here's humanity. A thirst. We ain't seen Jesus act human until all of a sudden he's, he's, he's in need. People, people, 
people that, that's poured out. We ain't got much left to offer, but here I'm going to offer it in. People who has got pre-existing pain, maybe from a lifetime. There's some of y'all in here. I have, I have dealt with. I've talked with a lot of you. I know some of y'all got pain from your childhood that you shouldn't have. I understand that. But I've watched you. I've watched you still try to pour out. Because you love me. And that'll leave you just like Jesus. That'll leave you in need. That'll leave you lacking. That'll leave you wanting. What was Jesus needing? He was needing, he knew he needed, I need refreshing. This season, this place that I'm in, I need refreshing. It's been hot. It's been gruesome. It's been a tough season. Pain that I don't understand. Suffering that I, I ain't got a category for. Trouble that I thought I'd never. I didn't see that coming. Hey, some of y'all sitting in here today, you didn't see that coming. You didn't see it coming. And most of the time, we didn't want to see it coming. Hang in there with me, church. God wants to bring glory in this this morning. He wants to bring glory. So it leaves Jesus needing. And we get this glimpse of his humanity. Hey, if you're in need this morning, you're human. You're just like Jesus. If you lack this morning, it's no shame. And we're going to worship him. And it's going to be no shame for you to come and you to seek his glory. It's going to be no shame to come to this altar and to look up to him and tell God, I thirst. We see Jesus. He believes. He's in need. He's, he's needing comforting. He's needing this drink. It's what I feel like from, from the cool waters of grace. I just need a drink of grace. Just a cup of grace. Just, just a sponge. Just a sponge. That's all I need right now. If I could just, if you could just sponge my mouth with grace. If, if, if I could just get enough grace. Just a refreshing. Just a refreshing. You know, I, I preach grace all the time. I preach look for grace. Here, just a couple weeks ago, I was surprised by grace. And I preach it, man. I preach it. Look for it. Look for it. Search for it. Hunger for it. Thirst for it. Go for it. But in this story, in this story, the Lord took me even somewhere else. Because it's in this story that, that the Lord changed my entire thinking no, I'm still going to preach grace. I'll never, I'm no un, ever undervalue grace. Woo for grace. But here's what I found out through this story. Sometimes there's something stronger, something better than even grace. 
that's what we see in this story. Jesus says, I thirst. I just need grace. Just a sponge, Lord. Just a drop. Just a drip. Just, just something, God. Something. Something. And you know what? I believe Jesus was like us. I believe he was expecting that. I know when I'm at my pain's end, I feel like, at my suffering's end, or at my trouble, when I don't think that another thread of trouble can come without breaking my back, that's when I really look for grace. I feel like, well, you know, surely I'm going to refresh by grace any minute now. But this story don't go like that. Verse 29 Let's look at it. And now there was, Jesus said, I thirst, and now there was set a vessel of vinegar. And they filled a sponge with vinegar. And they put it in his mouth. Just letting that set there just a minute. I want you to think on that. Jesus expecting grace, refreshment. Expecting that, and, and the reality he got was the harshness of vinegar. The harshness of vinegar. Expecting some kind of break, some kind of refresh, some kind of breeze, some something. And he got vinegar. Do you have the picture this morning? Do you, do you have that thought? Lots of life on the cross. Life on the cross is, is sometimes you get vinegar. Even when you're expecting. What do you do when, when you're expecting grace, but the very next move is vinegar? You're expecting grace, you're expecting refreshment, you're expecting, you're looking for that grace, but the very next thing that you receive is vinegar. Vinegar. Sour. Harsh. And the very opposite of refreshment. The very opposite. That's what Christ got. From the cross. As he was coming to the end of this season. Surely this is where grace. Surely I'm at the end of this season. And now grace is coming. Am I speaking? And expecting. You may even come here today expecting grace. And even up to this point. It's just vinegar. How do you do? What do you do? Well, let me show you what Jesus did. Look here. It's verse 30. Listen here. Verse 30. The Bible says that Jesus received the vinegar. He received the vinegar. Received the vinegar. But that's not all. He received the vinegar. 
and he finished it. Not the vinegar that he finished, but the mission and the purpose of what God had put him here to do. He took the vinegar, and that's the whole, that's the thing today. That's the big deal today to me, is, is how in the world can you expect grace, get vinegar, and still finish it? Woo! How do you expect grace? You know, I'm going to get up in the morning. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to change. They're going to pray for me here in a little bit, and all is, it's all back to normal. And sometimes it is, and I don't take those moments lightly. I thank God when grace comes in buckets. I thank God when grace comes in in, in, in the slightest form, but, but I thank him for it. But what do you do when you think and you expect it's coming and you get vinegar? It gets harsher. I remember back one of my first experiences with this. Young Christian, God had just healed me. i just been healed. They told me, I should, I, you got to die and cannot live. You just can't. Too much. Too many places. Too much going on. We'll half kill you trying to save you. And the Lord, yes, the Lord, you know what? The Lord, the Lord poured out grace. Oh, it is. He poured out grace. I was on the cross. I got grace. When I cried out, I thirst. Mine was grace. But I remember, right after my healing, one of my bestest friends growing up, we were cousins. She was, she was deceased, but we were cousins, we were, we were cousins and, and we'd grow up together. And, and we lived on the same land. When you live in the country, it, it, when you live within two miles, it, well, that's your neighbor. And we were of the same age. She was a little bit older than me. She got her license before I did, and we tore the streets up together. She had a 63 Impala that was already beat up, and we tried to beat it up more. We had fun. We sleigh-rided. We, we, we laughed. We giggled. We did all kind of things. We went to Lakeside, for those of you that's my age. We, we, we did all sort of things. And I remember, I remember, the Lord healed me. She was excited. I was excited. And, and just on the other side of my healing, doctors come to her and said, you know what? You must die and cannot live because you got it bad. This ain't no big deal. Fresh out of my healing, this ain't no big deal. I'm telling you, God healed me. God's going to heal you. I'd been a Christian a couple years, but I was full of zeal and faith and, and fresh, out of, fresh out of a big mouthful of grace. And I told her, look, look to him for grace. And we did. We believed and we believed and we believed and we believed some more. And then one day, we got a mouthful of vinegar. We got a mouthful of vinegar. My cousin passed. And it shocked me. It rocked. It, it sent me into a, a fog. 
couldn't figure this out. Young Christian. Didn't have a whole lot of guidance in that area. Just wasn't sure. Didn't understand what I'm preaching this morning. But here's what I know. Sometimes when we look for grace from the cross, we still get there. But the whole point, the whole key, I have been with some of y'all. I have been with some of you in this church where we looked for grace, but we got there. I hate vinegar. Not just in the physical. I Actually, I hate when we don't get the grace. I hate the pain and the harshness of the vinegar. Jesus, such instruction in this. Jesus took the vinegar and he finished it. So, so, so it got in my mind. What in the world? Because grace is what always drove me. It's always the hope of getting a drink of grace in the worst of times. That's always been the driving force. But what if you know vinegar's coming? How am I going to finish? How am I going to finish if I know vinegar's coming? You just got to look to Christ. You just got to look to Christ. He knew vinegar was coming. Oh, he was hoping, just like he prayed at Gethsemane, I'm hoping this will pass, and I'm hoping for grace. It was just like David when he prayed for his child, and, and he, he knew, he knew because God had told him, this child's going to pass. He, he, God told him, you're going to get vinegar out of this, you're going to get vinegar. But he still, he laid out seven days, seven nights praying and fasting and believing God. But, but then vinegar came, just like God said. Sometimes we all get a drink of vinegar, y'all. David got up, anointed himself, washed himself, remember, went into the house of the Lord. This forerunner of Christ went into the house of the Lord and worshiped and worshiped. And I see it. As great as grace is, I found something greater. As great as it is, and I'm not undermining it at all. And next week, I'll be preaching it again. In this age, I preach grace. But I also want to point us to what's beyond this age. The glory to be revealed. You want to know what's greater than grace? You want to know what calls Christ and what causes others to get a big old drink of vinegar, expecting grace, and able to still finish it? It's the glory! That's to be revealed. It's the glory to come. It's the glory. You want to finish? Whether you get grace or not. You want to be able to finish from the cross. You got to see the glory to be revealed. That that's coming. That, that's greater. Remember what 
what they said about Jesus in Hebrews 12? They said, for the joy that was set before him. That's the glory. The glory, the joy that endured the cross. The glory. What's coming? What's at the end? Now, here's what I believe. I, I believe with all my heart, especially in the American eyes, westernized churchology, I believe we're really soft on our theology on suffering. I do. I believe we, 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 we've had way too much prosperity, and we don't emphasize the suffering that this Bible emphasizes. We don't emphasize the drink that we'll have to drink. And when people have to drink the vinegar, it throws them. And, and if there is no grace, they're not sure how to push on. If grace don't come today, you still need to push on. If you don't get grace up here this morning, you need to push on. If it all don't work out in a nice, neat little package, you still got to push on. If you don't get the answers you're looking for, if you get answers you're not looking for, you got to be able to push on for the glory of what lies ahead, for what's ahead of us. And I, we ain't got time to read all this. We're going to touch some more on this maybe some other time. But, but in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, there's this, there's this Peter really in about six verses gives us a sound theology. You know why we should have a sound theology on suffering? It's because it'll help us build and maintain a trust in God. We need a sound theology. We need to build a sound theology about really what suffering is and what we shall endure. Because then, then we can trust God. Jesus on the cross, he had this sound theology. And he knew, even if it's vinegar, I can trust him. I can trust him. I can. And in one of those sections in 1 Peter chapter 4, after he talks about don't think it's strange concerning, remember, it's good theology. It'll be, read 1 Peter chapter 4, especially verse 12 through 16 or through 19. It'll really, it's this, that alone will give you good theology on the suffering of a Christian. And, and he talks, don't, don't even think it's a matter of fact, I just want you to hear from this Peter, you should think it's strange if you're not suffering. You should. But then he goes on and he talks about the various things about don't suffer as an evildoer or, or ungodly. You know, they, they don't, don't just bring it on yourself. But if you do, he's, he's still so sovereign. He's still so loving. But he goes on. He goes on. And this is the thing he talks about. He talks about exactly what I'm talking about. This is what Christ knew. He talks about and when we're in those moments and we're suffering in his name for the gospel's sake. And, and even in obediently as we can. We're tending to life as best we can. Even in our pain. Here's, here's what he says. And then he says, and the rest, the rest of the glory, the glory, the glory will rest upon you and the spirit of our God. <laughs> you got to get that. You got to get that. Even when you get vinegar, even while you're in suffering. He talks about this. He says, and the glory will rest. And, and it's this throwback. If Peter was, was an Old Testament throwback, you know, he was, he's, he's, in, he's in the bridge there. He knows, he knows the glory of God as the Old Testament. He knows, he knows that the glory rests 
In the Old Testament, he knew they knew it different. The glory would come and rest on people. The Shekinah, the Shekinah, the Shekinah. In the, in, when they built the temple, like when they built the first temple in Solomon, and the Shekinah come and rested on the temple, and it filled that place, and it mashed people to the ground in worship. The Shekinah. And, and now we know, as Peter did then too, we are now that temple. We're not going to build no Old Testament temple. We are now that new temple. And, and, and that if you're going to be able to finish it, even with the vinegar, you're going to need this sound theology that comes out of 1 Peter chapter 4, where, 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 where the glory of God, just like it did in the Old Testament, comes and rests. He says, and the spirit of our God rests. He connects it. It's because it's one and the same. It's his spirit, his glory, his presence, who he is. You want to you you be, be able to make it on the cross and drink the vinegar and finish. It's his glory. It's his glory. And it comes and it rests. No matter what the next drink is. Some of you are here today, I guarantee it. And this is the best place to find them. This is where we look. This is where we look. But sometimes our, when we look for answers even in church, that's why I'm preaching this this morning. Even when we look for answers in church, sometimes you still get vinegar shoved in your mouth. God's people. Glory. They need the spirit of their God to come and rest. Y'all, Paul, I want you to be led by God. I don't care what you got planned. You hear me? You be led by God this morning. Y'all be led by God. Because that's what I want. I want the glory. I don't want the program. I want the glory. I said, I want the glory. People in here don't need a program, they need the glory. There's people sitting in these pews this morning in pre-existing pain with a mouthful of vinegar who need glory in this place to finish, to finish. Get up there. But y'all ain't moved. It's one of they come to this church. Did you hear my message, church? Did you hear my message? Yes, that was it. That was my heart. That wasn't my. That's what God whispered to me this week. I'm going to tell you something. No, I, I didn't get that. God whispered that to me. I read scriptures, whatever it was, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, I don't even know now. I read scriptures and the, the Spirit of God whispered into my heart. This is what you need. When all you're getting is vinegar. 
all your, all your tasting is vanity. I need the glory. I said, yes, God. I need the glory. If I'm going to make it, if I'm going to finish this thing, if I, If I'm going to finish this thing, and let me just tell you something. I told the Lord that morning after our presence, after our meeting together, I told him, I told him, I said, Lord, whether I get the vinegar or not, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. I must have her liberty this morning.